there is nothing I hate worse. And it drives me crazy when I see a financial advisor chase around a CPA or a state attorney only to get taken, referring their clients to that CPA or a state attorney with zero back, zero reciprocity. Kirk Chisholm is the principal of Innovative Advisory Group, and he's here to talk with us today about how to be successful getting referrals from CPAs and other centers of influence. Kirk, welcome. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. This will be fun. You bet. So what do you think about all this, what I just said? Um, yeah, I think it's the bane of our existence as advisors trying to get uh, referrals and CPAs, taking them to coffee, taking them to lunch, giving them referrals, offering to share fees, and it ends up in nothing, right? Just squat. You refer pathetic. them to a bunch of business it's and they do nothing. Right. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's tough. And, and I, I could tell you, I've spent 17 years doing that. <laughs> it's a lot of time. I got to the point where I had no accountants I could even refer to because I knew they wouldn't refer me and I didn't even think they would do a good job half the time. It's it's a struggle for advisors for sure. So what's worked for you? Well, I can tell you that um, I was fortunate enough to meet a group of advisors that were actually having a lot of success about uh, seven years ago. And at that time, you know, we shared a lot of best practices, what was working, what wasn't. And I can tell you there's there's a there's actually a lot that goes into it. This isn't like a simple thing. But um, one of the big keys is differentiation. Now, think about it really simply. Right. We all think about the world from our own lens. We don't really think about it from the other person's perspective. So let's look at the CPA's life. OK, they're getting five to ten solicitations a week from financial advisors. Right. They all sound the same. Now, each one of you listening to this probably thinks that you're a special snowflake and that you're unique and all that. But the reality is, is people can't tell the difference between you and somebody else. You think of a prospect. They don't know if you're Warren Buffett or Jimmy Buffett. Like they're not equipped to understand the difference. CPAs aren't either, right? So you're talking to a CPA, you're like, hey, tell me about your business. And then they're like, oh, tell me about your business. And then you're like, hey, Lucifer business. And then nothing, Right. Because they're talking to five or 10 other people each week doing the same thing. And the reality is you've done nothing to differentiate yourself. You might think, well, I'm really good at X. They don't know that, nor do they care, right? So let me give an example. So when I grew up, my dad was an attorney. All his friends are attorneys. All my friends right now, like 50% of them are attorneys. I'm surrounded by attorneys my whole life. If I had to go find an attorney, I couldn't tell you the first thing that I would look for to pick a good attorney. Like, cause I'm not an attorney, right? They're a service professional. I don't know if they're good or not, right? I have a sense, but I have no idea. There's no metric I could choose to say, oh, this person's good or not, right? So somebody like myself with that surrounding, I couldn't decide who's a good attorney or not. So accountants don't know that. They don't know if you're a good advisor or not. Prospects don't know if you're a good advisor or not. It's hard to judge, right? And you're all saying the same thing. You're all saying, let's share fees. Let's exchange referrals. I'm really good at investment management. I'm an expert and we're going to work together. You're, you're no different from anybody else. So how are they going to choose you or somebody else? That's one of the biggest challenges that advisors have is how do you differentiate yourself? And I can tell you, it's not a simple thing. You don't just say some magical phrase. You don't have some magical script that you say. It's not what it is. It's... um the differentiation part is huge, but it starts with differentiation, but you really have to evolve beyond that 
and you really have to um, present yourself completely different. And some of this comes from when you're talking to a CPA or a prospect or a client is it's not about you, right? I mean, Sarah, you probably know this, the hero's journey, right? You're familiar with the concept, the hero's journey, right? So I'm sure you talk about it, but the hero's journey is basically, we all think that we're the hero. We're not. The CPA is the hero. The client's the hero. We're the guide, right? Our job is to be the guide. It's not to be the hero. And we think of ourselves as a center of attention, like we're all important and we need to spew out all our expertise at people and they don't care, right? Our job is to guide them. CPA is the same way, right? If you treat yourself like the hero, you're going to miss it. You have to treat the CPA like the hero. You're helping guide them along their journey. What can you do to make their life better? And it's not financial products. It's not financial plans. It's not, you know, some special advice that that no one else has. It's none of it, right? Your job is to guide them along their journey. They have the same problem. I can guarantee you that at least 90% of the CPAs have a lot more problems in their life than you do. If you really understand CPAs, their life is a complete disaster. Why? Well, let me tell you, that's a great question, Sarah. <laughs> Think of the CPA's life, okay? The CPA has somewhere between 600 and I've seen as high as 1,600 clients just for one CPA. And you're trying to jam all those clients into a three-month window. And it's not even three months. It's really two if you really break it down. So a three to two-month window, you're trying to do all those tax returns, all the stuff, and get it in by April 15th. Now, granted, there's some extensions, but that's really hard, right? And they're supposed to, at the same time, they're supposed to have a conversation with the client and, and help them and solve all their problems when they only have like a half an hour and they're, you know, they, there's, there's not enough time in the day. They also have hiring problems. They're trying to retain people all year when they only have three months of work, right? And they got to pay them all year for three months of work. You know, they, they're a commodity. Think about this. Like our industry, we're, we're a commodity, right? No, I, I'm no different from anybody else who's listening to this. My services are the same as every single person. Investment services, financial planning, general advice, whatever you want to say. Maybe you've got some difference, but we're all the same, right? CPAs are the same too. They they have no differentiating factors. And not only that, but they get paid squat. You know, a lot of them are undercharging themselves. Their industry is telling them, the AICPA is telling them, hey, you know, here's how you compete. Lower your fees and get better systems and technology. Well, what happens if everybody has better systems and technology? It means that you're not competing. Everyone's the same because they're all doing the same thing. So yeah, you can lower your fees, but everybody else does. So your margin is the same. And so they're they're really stressed out. They have a low quality of life. Clients don't appreciate them, right? Think about this. You go into a CPA's office and you're, you want to get your taxes done. You want you don't want to be there, right? You only do your taxes because you don't want to go to jail, right? You don't want to see your CPA and you're in there and and then you're just like, yeah, hurry, do this quick and, and don't charge me too much and save me a ton of money. The CPAs don't get appreciation, right? Their life is miserable. Like not all of them, but in general, if you think about it, like I would never want to be a CPA. They're great people. They want to help their clients. They don't have time to, and they don't know how to, and they're not salespeople and their systems are a mess. If you really kind of understand the CPA's life, they have a lot of challenges. And, you know, if you really understand them, you can actually help them. 
and you can differentiate yourself in many ways uh, in that in that in that line of thinking. And, and it's not a simple thing, but if you can help them, they're going to remember you. If you make a fool of yourself, they're not going to remember you because you're going to sound like every other advisor. But if you can differentiate yourself and actually help them, just like you would with a client, like differentiating yourself, you're you're gonna you're gonna go far with CPAs. But that's like the that's just the start of it. But that's a huge part. There was one instance in which for one of my clients, we wrote a newsletter for centers of influence and mostly CPAs. And the newsletter was something like something something akin to how to do better retrieving cost basis information on your client's securities holdings or something like that. And the newsletter open rate was way higher and there were more clicks than, and it was like unprecedented, this, this response. So, and, and it wasn't about the financial advisor's view on like the market, you know, it was something that was specific to the CPAs, almost like consultative about how they could run their practice better. Yeah. And that they really appreciated that. But see, the financial advisors, they just want to talk about what's good with them, like about they just want to talk about what they know. They don't want to, like you were saying, kind of reverse it and look at it from the point of view of actually treating the CPA like they were a client. They don't treat the CPA like they are a client. They don't treat them like they have problems to be solved. They treat the CPA like solve my problems, Mr. or Mrs. CPA. So what are some specific things that you suggest people do, Kirk? Uh, it's a great question. I can tell you that there's a lot of piece of this. Uh, we all want simple answers. We all want the quick fix. What, what's the one thing I can do to get CPAs to give me all their clients? And I can tell you it's a process. It's not a single thing. Um, a lot of what we talked about are some of the basic principles, but just like what you're talking about, Sarah, like the, the CPAs, uh, the conversations I have, you know, I work with probably about 22 CPAs right now. And the conversations I have with them are not uh, about investment management. They're about, just like you said, sometimes it's practice management. It's like, what can I do to make your life better? And I can tell you that even that, that's just a small piece of it. Like, I think if you think about CPAs, they're generally like process driven. They're they're wired. If you understand the Colby, they're they're wired as like uh, fact finder fall through. They're they're very you know uh, focused, but their systems are still a mess because they've got too many clients. Um, think about it this way: if you can spend no more than an hour with each client a year, how much? effort are you going to put into that client? Not much. And from my experience, 85% of new clients that I get, uh, when I ask them like, oh, do you have a CPA they use? Their response is either meh, like, yeah, they're okay. Or uh, they're not really doing it for me. 85%. Now, no one's excited about their CPA. 15% are excited about their CPA. And they're usually business owners because they're getting that extra attention. So think about that for a minute, right? The CPA's clients are barely holding on with a thread. And if you get somebody who says, hey, I'm going to do all this extra stuff for you, they're gone, right? Or if somebody's like, hey, I'm going to do it for hundred bucks less, they're gone. They don't have sticky clients. They're a commodity. 
So imagine if you could help them switch that around. And instead of them having commodity clients, they have clients that are going to pay them two and a half to 10 X the revenue for the same relationship. Right now think about this. They have 800 clients for one CPA, but to me, that's hell. I couldn't imagine trying to do that. Right. Um, but imagine you could allow them to have 400 clients. They could get rid of half of them. They could have better relationships. They could charge a lot more money and the clients are going to be thanking them for doing all this extra stuff that they've been wanting them to do forever. And it's not even, it's, it's, it's funny because it's not even like some secret magical thing. It's called caring, just caring for their clients, asking them about things that matter to the clients. Because when we talk to clients, we think they want to talk about finances. I, I, I could tell you that's the last thing that they want to talk about, right? They don't. We go to our quarterly meetings. They don't want to talk about their finances. They want to talk about their kids. They want to talk about their their goals and their dreams and their their future plans. They want to talk about what's going on in their life. They want to talk about how you can help them. It has nothing to do with finances. CPAs are the same, right? They're talking to clients. These clients need help. They don't need help on their tax returns. That's just that's assumed. That's you know you think about our core work. Our core work, people come to us for the core work. They're assuming we're going to do a good job, right? We we can't sell ourselves like, hey, I'm a great investment manager. I'm a great planner. They don't care because they can't contextualize whether we are or not. What they care about is, am I going to make their life better? And that usually surrounds around stuff that they matter to them. Like, hey, my kid's going off to college and I'm really struggling with that. Okay, let's talk about it. You know, like, what what are you struggling with? Like, you know, the 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 coaching aspect, the financial coaching, we, we do a lot with the CPAs and with clients. That's what matters to people. And that's why people like literally when I sign up for them as clients, like they don't ask me what I'm charging for fees because I'm actually addressing their real need. So they're not worried about they're not comparing me to other people. And this is a differentiation factor. Like if I'm competing against other advisors, I'm actually not competing because they're not doing this. They're, they're, they're competing on like financial performance and better plans. And I'm competing on, Hey, how can I make your life better? Right? Like you're stressed about college. Let's go through that. Let me help you through that. I know the stress you're going through because I've dealt with this with many other clients and here are the problems you're having. And they're going to say, yeah, those are the problems I'm having because I know that because I've listened to people in the past and I understand their challenges, but not only that, but I'm actually talking to them and asking them what their challenges. I'm not telling them, I'm saying, Hey, what's going on? Tell me about that. Oh, I totally understand. Like being empathetic. So all of this comes down to, it's a different way than I start. When I started in 99, it was like, hey, choose between these two mutual funds. And like, you know, it's all about choice and the experience. None of that matters now. People just want to be understood. They want to be heard and they want to be led. Like, like people don't, there's no leaders in our society anymore. People aren't leading. They're, we're we're drowning in information. We're drowning in data. We're drowning in in junk, and people just don't know how to navigate all this stuff. And they need someone to help them navigate that. So our role, whether it's a client or a CPA, is help them navigate the challenges in their lives in a way that's coaching centric. Not um, you're going to do what I tell you because that's that's not cool. But like coaching them through that, right? Like if you think of um olympic athletes okay i this 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 woman i know told me this story because i was asking her about coaching i'm like i don't understand she's like look 
like there's an Olympic coach out there. I don't know the guy's name offhand, but um, he coaches Olympic medalist swimmers. He himself doesn't know how to swim. So his job is not to teach them how to swim better. His job is to help them figure out how to improve their performance. That's his job is to help them figure it out for themselves, not to do it for them. So our role in many ways is to not do it for them. It's to help them through this challenge. And through that, you gain an enormous amount of dependence. And then they're going to think of you in a higher light than anybody else. So if I'm helping the CPA solve his problems or her problems, they're going to put me in a very different light than somebody who's trying to sell them some better product. They don't care about that. So hopefully that kind of shines a little bit more light onto the topic. Why do you think more financial advisors don't do it this way? Great question. It's really simple. No one's taught them what to do. So when I started in this industry, <clears throat> 99, I was surrounded. I was in the biggest Payne-Weber office at the time in Boston. 100, I think it was 110, 111 financial advisors in that office. It was like three or four floors. And I was surrounded by advisors. And I was at the same time alone. There was no mentorship, no apprenticeship. Uh, people would just easily have stolen my clients and they would have said hi to me in the morning. Like it was a ruthless environment. And it was just, it was like the movie Wall Street or any of those movies you've seen. It's not maybe that but it's similar and and no one are you think of every industry you think of attorneys you think of accountants you think of engineers every industry out there they have like an apprenticeship kind of program right where the younger people get uh get mentored or either apprentice for a more senior person right and they teach them the ropes they teach them what to do what not to do our industry for some odd reason doesn't have that <clears throat> So you think about if I've been doing this right now, I've been doing this for 24 years. Well, the reason they don't have that is because typically it was a sales role. Right. It's changing now, right? But it, typically it there it wasn't like that you were going to be a physician or a, a, a lawyer because there wasn't a level of professional competence, credibility, and knowledge that you really needed. It was transactional. That is right. why. So right. it's in a transition. But it's that's newer though. You're right. And it's, it's newer. Some, some of it is because of the younger generation are forcing this. You'll like I was at the I was at the turning point. <clears throat> like 2000, we went from commission to fee base. That was like right around the turning point. So I got to see both worlds, and I'm fortunate I was in the latter world because the former world is weird. But <clears throat> but you're right. So but think of it this way, right? So the newer generation they're doing this, but at the same point they don't have the history. So if I've been doing this for 24 years, right? I have knowledge and wisdom that I can share, but the industry didn't share that. So the older generation isn't sharing. So you, so everyone else has to learn from scratch, right? You have this like this like dividing line. Everyone else has to learn from scratch. So the newer people are doing it, but there's not enough people out there sharing because there's it's, the population isn't there. So we have a few leaders and, and mentors in the industry, but not as many as there should be because that old school didn't do that. They didn't share. So I, I do like the fact that the there are a lot of advisors sharing this now, but there's not enough people with the experience. It's just it's just not there. So th that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this, because I'm appreciative of the people who've mentored me and shared this with me. So I'm trying to pass along, you know, the kind of the karma to everybody else, because it's just it, it needs to be out there. Our industry needs to evolve. It's there's there's too much of the old stuff going on and we need to evolve and provide better, a better quality product not 
product, but like service product to, to people. The issue, uh, yeah, I think the issue also is compensation. Um, I mean, I know many of you following me know that I'm involved with uh, heavily fee-only advisors and also uh, advice-only planners that charge just for planning and won't touch investment management, flat fee advisors who charge a flat fee for both the wealth management and the financial planning. So it's also the idea of, well, why should I sit here and talk about your problems and your goals if at the end of the day, I mean, in the extreme case, I'm only going to get paid if I sell you a long-term care policy, or I'm only going to get paid if you have a certain amount of assets and I help you grow those assets, which may not be in line with the problem you're talking to me about, which is that you have $200,000 of student debt. And if I advise you to go pay that down, then I don't get paid. So there is a little bit of a conflict of interest. I think, yes, people do get really into this and debate. People get all angry at the people debating. And a lot of times I'm the person debating this whole fee thing. But I do think that incentives matter because, I mean, what's that phrase? Like, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. I, I think that's another part of it. And Kirk, that also is changing where you are seeing more emphasis on these more transparent, more less asset or product focused fee structures. If anybody listening to this is interested, I am in charge of what I'm calling the transparent advisor movement of flat fee advice only and hourly planners. The information is going to be in the show notes if any of you want to join our virtual meetups, which happen free and every month. What do you think about that, though, Kirk? Do you think the compensation actually impacts this as well? Yes and no. So that's actually an interesting question. So I do think compensation matters. I mean, let's be honest, we're human beings, we're we're triggered by making money, right? That's why we do this. We, we do it for other reasons, but we also want to put food on the table. So it, I'm not going to say that's not a thing. I will say this is a surprising thing I learned working with CPAs. CPAs are not, not actually driven by money. You think, well, sure they are. Yeah, like everybody else's, but they're really, you know, we as advisors, are trying to like get our foot in the door. We're like, hey, what can we do to be different? Hey, let's share fees. That is the most tone deaf thing you could say to a CPA, let's share fees. It is absolutely the worst thing you could say. It just says, I'm a money grubbing advisor just trying to make money off of their clients. That's basically what you're telling them. They really don't care about sharing fees. I work with, like I said, 22 CPAs. I've tried to push that on them after I've worked with them for like years and they're they're actually like referring me tons of business. I'm like, hey, you sure you don't want to like share part of this because you're a big part of this. They're like, no, nah, it's too much work. L literally, they'll say it's too much work to go get a 65 to, to actually get paid a significant portion of the fees that they deserve to get because they're because what we do is is more of a collaborative effort. And they just they're just like, eh, it's too much work. Like, really? I mean, I'm giving you some examples because I don't think we really grasp the um, the insignificance of sharing fees with CPAs. And so if you say that to anybody, you're it's fallen on deaf ears. Now, if you have a, a very close knit relationship, you can do that. And, and I think you should do it because if because if you think about each profession, we make it a significant amount, a significant amount more than other professions for a very little amount of work. Okay. Now what you're talking about, Sarah, actually is is a little more aligned, but people are getting paid a percentage of assets are going to be paid so much more for the effort that we're putting in compared to other professions. Now CPAs get paid hourly, generally, right? And we're getting paid, you know, one percent of a million dollars. And sometimes you have like a few hours of meetings a year. Like it's it's so off the rails 
uh, high compensation in comparison to the work we put in, right? I'm not saying it's not worth it. That's different conversation. I mean, yeah, that's, but- I think that's one thing financial advisors overlook that I think the average financial advisor that's been in the business the same amount of time as a CPA that they're talking to is making way more than the CPA, right? Way more. And the CPAs know it, right? And that's that's another part of it. They're aware of this. So if you think about, um, you know, like CPAs. So if a CPA is getting paid $500 for a tax return, which you might say that's that's silly. Yeah, that that's probably average, maybe even less. Okay, they should be getting paid fifteen hundred dollars for a tax return for the same tax return, but they should also be doing more work for the client, right? They should be doing tax planning and other things. So a lot of what we do is help them redesign their practice so that instead of getting paid five hundred bucks for that same client, you can get paid, you know, twenty five hundred bucks or five thousand dollars for the same client, right? Because the client needs more. And they're willing to pay for it too. But the CPA is afraid, oh, I don't want to charge them more because they'll leave. And they've got all these preconceived notions in their head of what's going to happen. But the reality is, is it's because they're not salespeople. I mean, think about this. A CPA is not a salesperson. If you tell them, hey, I'm going to teach you how to grow their practice, they're going to be like, uh, go away. You're scaring me. They're right? totally, they'll think you're one of those like used car sales, but that's very reinforcing of the stereotype of a financial advisors that makes them hate us or you, all, you all, not me. I'm not afraid. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the worst thing you can possibly say to them. I'll teach you how to sell. Yeah. They don't want to sell. They'll run away f- scared. Like they, they hate selling. Right. And they don't want to sell. So a lot of what we talk about is, is, um, we have this process, next step selling, which is not selling, right? It's just how to grow your practice in ways that don't involve selling. And and what's funny is, is when you teach the CPA how to actually have a conversation with the client, not selling, but like actually open up the conversations, the clients are craving this. They're like, thank you for doing this. I've been waiting for you to do this forever. I appreciate it. I Some of them even thank them for charging more. They're like, you should have charged me more years ago. I've been I've been reluctant to say anything because you didn't charge me, but I'm glad you're charging me more because you're doing so much more for me. So they, you know, once you kind of expand the relationship, clients are much more appreciative because you're doing the things that they've been wanting the CPA to do, and they've never offered because they don't have the time or they don't understand. They're you understand CPAs are really good at tax. They're not business owners. They're not financial advisors. They're not salespeople. Like there's a whole bunch of things they're not, uh, but they're really good at tax and they and they and they like people and they want to help. And so if you can help them open up the rest of their business so they're able to actually see this, you're getting a different level of relationship with the CPA than anybody else is giving them. So it's you know understanding that dynamic, like you said, with the fees is a really important part, but also understanding that it's not what you think it is. What about this also? A lot of accountants are insurance agents. And they um, they don't necessarily like tell you when you approach and you're like, hey, let's have a meeting. Because I've had this, I've seen this over and over again that, you know, I've set up meetings for my clients with these CPAs. And I'm like, so-and-so wants to talk to you about this or that. Okay, I'll meet with him. Because they just want to get their clients referred in. And then I do a search on the insurance agent website for that state. And I find out that that person is like registered life agent. So everybody listen to this, make sure you check by the way, or like even I've done like finger search and I find out that that person's like a, a broker. It's an interesting comment. I, I think, you know, the dynamic between financial advisors and accountants is uh, an interesting one. So 
accountants generally shy away from financial services in in large part they do you know it's because that's not their role now some of them do get licensed for insurance some of them do get licensed for financial services <clears throat> mostly 65 over 7 but um but some of them do get licensed now here's the challenge with that the challenge is is that it changes the relationship with the client so the reason the CPA is so valuable in the um anything relating to your life financially concept, right? You think of they, you know, there's all these different people. There's accountants, there's advisors, insurance agents, there's there's all these different people in their life. The reason that clients trust the CPA the most is because they're the only one not selling them anything. Like everyone else is trying to sell the client on something. The CPA is the only one who's not trying to sell them something. So the, inherently clients trust them. As soon as the CPA opens up that Pandora's box and starts getting licensed and starts selling stuff, they lose that trust. They're no better than the advisor or the insurance agent, or the attorney that's trying to sell them. They, they change the relationship. So I'm not saying they shouldn't do it because I think they should get paid, but I don't think they should ever talk about it with clients because the clients immediately are going to be like, well, there, there he is trying to sell me something else. I've seen CPAs do this Mostly it's because they're trying to squeeze more revenue out of the same clients because they can't grow their business. I've seen a few people do it. Um, if they do it on their own, it's because they're in desperate need of revenue and they don't know how to get it any other way. Now, some CPAs have done it at the behest of other advisors or insurance agents. They've gone along with, oh, sure, I'll share fees with you because they've been so persuasive. They said, sure, I'll do it. But they're licensed, but they're not really into it. You know, like if you're doing now, there is a there is a um, a theme. There's a group of people that are pushing this theme, which is there's a handful of high end tax saving products, uh, products in in quotes um, that if you do this for a client, you can save them like tax credits. You can save them like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the CPA can charge large fees for that. Right? There's a there's a movement of people trying to do that. And then the CPA can share fees because there's a there's a big there's a, I mean you're saving somebody five hundred thousand dollars in taxes, you you know the CPA can charge a hundred thousand dollars and the clients can be okay with it right because why not you're saving me a ton of money I wouldn't have saved anyway, so there's a movement out there it's not something I really love because it's still more product sales but there are people doing it and some of this stuff requires CPAs to get licensed in order to get compensated, um, but that puts them in the product bucket. So there's a limited scope of what that affects, right? Because how many clients do you have, or let me refer this, how many clients does CPA have that are like worth $50 million? Maybe one, maybe two. You know, most of them are mass affluent, half a million to 2 million net worth. So they're not going to get that kind of thing. You might get one. So it's, so to me, it's just more of a, a tone deaf kind of thing. But um, but certainly they do get licensed and I, I I do think they should get compensated, but I I think they should never say anything about it because it does change the relationship with the client. I mean, I've heard CPAs say that they like selling insurance because it's conservative. It's conservative investment. It's le it's less risky than putting clients, recommending clients into stocks. And um, that's why they recommend these insurance products. I've seen that case made. Yeah, you know, I know. It's a bit. It's real. The real, the real reason is you couldn't, you, you couldn't make, have a profitable enough practice on your own, right? I mean, that's the real reason. But yeah, to me, to, to me, it sounds like brainwashing. I mean, I'm not an insurance guy. I was insurance license at one point, and I know the, 
I know the thinking. It's like, oh, it's guaranteed, and you know, you never lose any money, and uh, yada 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 is the insurance. Guaranteed. Pitch. It's just, right. it's just, it's not, it's nonsense. It just means somebody was brainwashed that that's the best approach. Like, I'm not, I know. What are you going to uh, do though? I mean, the insurance lobby is pretty powerful. I mean, we've all, yeah, we've all had some of that brainwashing. Yep, heard it, been there, done that. Right, everybody, almost everybody in our industry has, has been entrenched at some point with the insurance industry in some way. Okay, Kirk, this was great. Thank you. I love this real world perspective. This has been very refreshing. I think the word is refreshing, actually, that comes to mind. So thank you. And Kirk, how can people reach you if they have questions about this? Yeah, thanks, Sarah. And once again, I really appreciate you bringing me to your show. I, I love our conversations. Um you know, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. I've got a podcast, Money Tree Investing. You can just reach me on, you know, LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. You can go to my website. You can reach me there. Uh, we do work with a lot of financial advisors in helping them um, incorporate the CPA um, element into their practice. So if you have questions or if you're interested, just let me know. Just reach out to me. I'm pretty easy to find on the Internet. That's great. Okay, everybody, thanks for thanks for listening today, folks. And please rate, subscribe, and view this podcast. Just a reminder that nothing in this podcast can be interpreted as a product insurance or investment recommendation of any sort. Nothing in this podcast can be interpreted as legal or compliance advice. For any recommendation specific to your or your client's personal situations, please consult a consultant, advisor, or attorney.